Hello and welcome to Midnight Showing. I'm Nash, that's Luke, and this week the random movie we watched at midnight was, who was it, Terry Gilliam's Don Quixote? Was it worth it? That's what we're here to tell you, and don't worry, we will notify you before we start spoiling. Luke? Dude, are you... Are you back, man? I've been, I've, I've been sitting in this Discord server waiting for you for since like July, bro. That's the best part because doing that intro, I almost forgot what movie we watched. <laughs> we watched because, it so long ago. Yeah, like to all the viewers, we did watch this movie months ago i don't know we, we kind of just fell out of it a little bit dude you know we kind of got a little uninspired doing all those movies from the 90s yeah. what we definitely learned doing those 60 episodes was that if a movie has a 6.5 on imdb it's probably a 6.5 yeah. movie yeah you know like there because we did set out you know the goal of the show we did set out to find those diamonds in the rough so to speak if you speak like that. And I think we did find a few that like got a worse rep than they did, but there definitely was a threshold to where like if it was below five, there was a good reason why. Yeah. Uh, the part like that Jack Nicholson movie, I can't even remember the name of wine, blood and wine, blood I and mean, wine. I mean, oh. I, I, I would love to watch Michael Caine be like a, a total scumbag. But like, do we need really need to review a movie like that? I'm not sure. Reign of Fire, on the other hand, I mean, everyone's in for a good time with some dragons, you know, so. Yeah, that was the thing, man. Like, we had a good time doing it, and I do remember we had a big talk about sort of revamping the show, making it more of what we wanted, because you don't want to get lost in the audience. Like, we know we like you guys. Y'all are beautiful and all, but, you know, we got to do what we like to do or else what's the point? What's the point, man? Right? No, I mean, that's that's for sure, dude. I mean, when we started this podcast, too, we really had no idea where it was going to go. Um, I literally slept over in your apartment in uh, New Jersey for like two nights and we watched three movies and we were like, hey, we could re we could review these movies and that could be our podcast. And, you know, it all kind of just took off from there all because of 12 Monkeys, which is ironic yeah. because we are now oh. doing another Terry Gilliam film. But yeah. Oh, I was going to say, like, like Terry Gilliam is kind of like the shining example of, I don't think, I feel like only really cinephiles sort of know of Terry Gilliam's work. Unlike, almost, I feel like a ton of people have seen Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. Mm -hmm. And that's like it from his portfolio most when when um when people would like ask me about midnight showing and i would tell them the story and i'd usually ask have you ever seen the movie 12 monkeys and i'd say more often than not they didn't know the movie i was talking about which goes back to our original first episode when we were like how have we never heard of this brad pitt movie that is like super awesome and like really makes you think yeah. about cinema and everything like that so you know when you look at a movie like 12 monkeys and then you look at kind of some of the movies we were doing later throughout it i felt like we kind of lost our way a little bit around what we really wanted to talk about in these movies and it almost kind of got a little confudgled when you're like trying to talk about a movie that's a 6.5 on imdb that's like a fun movie there's nothing wrong with the movie but like is it really something that you and i weren't inspired to talk about i don't think so yeah. and when it was happening on like a weekly basis producing all these youtube videos and everything i think we kind of just lost our fire so i'm sorry yeah. I'm, I'm sorry for you, <clears throat> you youtube watchers but for the time being 
season three of Midnight Showing is going to be audio only, but that's just because it'll allow Nash and I to like actually enjoy these conversations more and not be stressed out about producing the podcast because that's really all I want to do. I just want to watch movies and be able to talk about them. And you and I have been watching movies for years. So that's really why I want to start this <laughs> podcast again, you know? I'm so good at watching movies. <laughs> <laughs> I'm fire at watching movies. But no, like you're totally right. Like doing all the video editing, especially for Luke's end, because I don't do video editing um, for those beautiful listeners. And so like we had to structure so much stuff around our lives just so we all had we had time to watch a movie because watching a movie it takes up a lot of time and then you have to critically think about a movie and that, that kind of got away. Cause then now we're like feeling pressure just to put the episodes out in time. So where we were like watching them like months in advance. So we'd have time to edit them and release them for next month. And it got to be a lot. Um, so that definitely is probably the main reason I think it all slowed down. And like you said, we got away from the kind of concept of the show. And if, if you lovely listeners um, will allow me, I'm going to sort of talk about thesis of the show, which we probably have about a billion times. And I don't even know if I've said this on the show, but I probably well, have. We haven't talked about it in like five months. So lay it on. <laughs> <laughs> so when I originally went to college, um, a class I took, uh, which was doing uh, literature for like acting, essentially like storytelling. One of the teachers there, I forget how it got brought up, but he was talking about this concept with sort of how the view and like what he attributes to the big change in like how movies are made in like what the directors and producers and stuff are going for is because up until like all of history for movies, people would do is they go to the movie theater, they'd watch the movie, they'd go outside, they'd light a cigarette. And talk about the movie with the people there, because you really probably couldn't be smoking in the movie theater because you'd block the projector, right? Yeah, facts. <laughs> and so I'm not condoning smoking. Don't do it. It's bad. <laughs> but it's like that sort of with when that sort of like in the 90s, when that sort of got taken out of mainstream culture, when smoking like was really aggressively sort of like actually legally banned and stuff in places and it became way more taboo by then people sort of stopped having those kinds of conversations where they would just straight up talk to people they had saw the movie about right after they had seen it. Now we still kind of do that, but we don't do it as frequently. And he thinks that because of that, people don't think critically or as much about movies as they used to. That's why if you look at a bunch of movies nowadays, they all kind of feel similar. Like they all have got that quippy, sassy character, you know, that's the extra there or the supporting role that, is comic relief like they all have that same archetype you mean fucking ned <laughs> well that's why it's even like i'm sure we'll talk about the matrix but that's like why i didn't really like the newest matrix movie because it, they had those characters in that movie and it's like the matrix is like dark and gritty and it's goofy because it's in its own element it's not goofy because the character is literally saying goofy things you know yeah and that kind of thing it that jamming all of you know movies into that amalgamation of this is the recipe for a movie makes them worse it does it's a less original story it doesn't make you think the matrix when it came out i mean talk about you know a movie having influence on stuff i 
I think few movies have had as big an influence as that one. And they made the fourth one what seems like because they had to. It's terrible now. So I guess what I'm really trying to say is moving forward, we're trying to go more in that direction of this is just a conversation about the movie because we're not doing hours and hours of research like other you know videos are those deep dive videos that you can watch on youtube where you type it in you'll find a billion of them you know we're not trying to do that we're just trying to talk about it because we've seen a lot of movies we like to watch movies we don't think we're dumb and we don't think movies should be dumb no i dude i agree with everything you just said and i think the best adjective i could use is uninspired you know, I'm not – I'm sure that there will be times where I can give my my two cents on the, uh, like, those kind of movies, the Marvel franchise, like, as, as, as you will. Ned is fine. I, I don't hate Ned. It's just a funny point, right? But, like, to me, movies like that just kind of seem uninspired. And to relate it back to our podcast, we kind of just became uninspired. You know, we, we were watching movies from, like, from the 90s and the 80s that we knew probably wouldn't be that good, but we just wanted to find something really great to talk about. And so – I, I think it's it was it became really easy to be uninspired by those movies, and w- when you watch a movie, it's supposed to make you think. And like, I'm gonna uh, I'm I'm gonna tease a little bit because I think we're gonna watch a movie next week, and um, that movie honestly made me want to kind of restart this podcast with you because it made me think so much. So that's that's kind of where I just want to come from with these reviews is is a place of appreciation for storytelling in movies and not really trying to tear anything down in that way. And I'm sure that if you listen to our past 59 episodes, you can find plenty of spots where I just totally did not do that at all. And, you know, it's it's another thing of, like, who the fuck am I? <laughs> you know what I mean, bro? Like, yeah. I, I personally haven't worked on too many movie sets. I was on a Justina Valentine music video as a production assistant one time, bro. But, like, other than that, you know, I'd have never helped Terry Gilliam make a movie. And so that's kind of... That was that was kind of part of the reason why we wanted to stop the podcast for a second was because Nash and I became uninspired watching these movies and movies are supposed to be something that's inspiring that makes you want to talk to somebody that makes you want to smoke a cigarette. <laughs> <laughs> we're, not, we're not condoning that, don't do it. But but no, that that really gets to the heart of it where it became more of a grind and you know, we didn't get a ton of these types of messages but I think we got like the worst one was like for Rob Roy or somebody messaged us being super angry about us talking about the movie and like us not knowing a ton, you know, about everything surrounding the movie and all the history and stuff. Yeah, I think and- I think um, I think in that in that review, I made a joke about how it's the British people in movies are always the bad guys. And this person was like, well, yeah, don't you know anything about history, dude? Of course, the British people are going to be doing this stuff in the movie. Yeah, it's like. Okay, we we get that, but it's also we're not trying to be that serious. <laughs> yeah, no, ex- ex- exactly, and it, it's a thousand percent fine for someone to hear our review and think that we're idiots and totally miss the point of the movie. And again, I'm sure in the last fifty nine episodes you can find plenty of examples for that. But from the perspective of us being the reviewers, that's not the ground that I want to cover. I just want to talk about fun movies that really make you think. So we might do a movie from 2017. We might do a movie from the year 2000. We could do anything. I just want to watch movies that make us think and make us enjoy doing this podcast and that's kind of what happened with midnight showing and it, it kind of yeah. sucked but you know we 
We took a break. We're back 2022, baby. Season three. Let's get to it. Yeah, and it it really is. You hit the nail on the head with that one. And moving forward, it's like. We've gotten, I think, a lot better positioning. Um, Houston himself, he's been on the show before. He is a production assistant um, working on, I think, primarily TV right now. So he'll probably be on the show, too, with a bit yeah. more. For sure. Stuff to take. I uh, one of my close friends, she is a playwright by trade. I think she's also trying to do some screenwriting, too. Last time I talked to her, she was. And so we'll probably have her on to talk about some stuff. Um, I've got, For sure. I've got I've got some acting people I know, but we'll probably have that really just goes to say is we want this conversation to be very inclusive. If you message us and have a, you know, sounds like you know what you're talking about or like you're very opinionated about it and, you know, you, we think you should be a part of the show, you can come on. If you want to come on and we think you're a good fit, yeah, we'll ask you. We'll be fine with that because <clears throat> that's what this is all about. It's just having a conversation. You know? Absolutely, dude. Absolutely. So I think I think without further ado, we can get to episode 60 of Midnight Showing, reviewing another Terry Gilliam film as we will be continuing our tradition of every 20 episodes doing a Terry Gilliam film until there are no more Terry Gilliam films to review. Oh, Jesus. All right. All right. All right. All right. So why did we why, why did we watch? Um, well, this one came out in 2018. Um, and I think we watched it just because we were looking for that other Terry Gilliam movie to watch. And this one sounded super interesting. You tell me that you want me to watch a movie called The Man Who Killed Don Quixote. You have me hooked in just in that title, dude. So do you do you know too much about Don Don Quixote? Was he invented for this movie? I know a bit um, based off the book, I think, which is Don Quixote. And I always like that. It's interesting. It's honestly, you look at probably the greatest movies that have ever been released, and they've almost all been based off of a book. Yeah. So. You know, that's going to say why. Why is that important? Because the material is already there. You just got to bring it to life, which is very harder. You know, it's much harder uh, done than said. Said that it's harder. You know what I mean? But <laughs> so this one, pretty interesting story, because I know it's a massive book that I know of. I don't I've never read it. No, I never heard of Don Quixote before this movie. But I know of the story. And so it seemed very interesting, especially because. This movie I had never heard of in any other way. Like I've never did not even know it was being created, did not know it was like a big thing for Gilliam because it seems like kind of his life's work project was to get this movie. It took them like they wanted to make this movie for like 30 years. Yeah, they tried to make it um, back in like the early 2000s with Johnny Depp as the lead and they literally like had to stop production because it wasn't possible. Like just everything was going wrong and they, they put the idea down, but it meant so much to to Terry Gilliam that this uh, I heard I heard in a YouTube video, YouTube interview um, about him talking about the movie. He literally said like Don Quixote is one of those stories that just like ate away at him and he just couldn't stop thinking about it, couldn't get it out of his mind. And it was almost like he 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 couldn't finish his career before he could turn the movie of Don Quixote uh, or the story of Don Quixote into his own Terry Gilliam movie. And what what I really want to start the conversation with 
is how this feels like such a modern Terry Gilliam movie, and I love that so much because of the Midnight Showing stuff we just talked about. You got 12 Monkeys was like 96. I think Brazil was before that at like 86, and then I think Fisher King was also like in the 90s, and all those movies definitely feel a little dated. They're all great. I love all of them, but I think in some of our reviews, we even said it feels dated, and I, I think I really enjoy... Terry Gilliam in the kind of modern sense using actors like Adam Driver and, you know, and Jonathan Price re reprising another Terry Gilliam role from uh, Brazil. Yeah, and Adam, Adam Driver is incredible in this movie. Amazing. He's really, he's really, really got the chops, dude. You cannot chalk that man up just for being Kylo Ren. Yeah. <laughs> well, see, that's the worst thing because I, I think that kind of spoils him and that's like got to be really bad for an actor like when they get spoiled with stuff like that because I don't mean spoil in the sense that they have too much. It's in the sense that that sort of becomes their personality. And it's like, they're a lot more than that. You know, if they're a good actor, they're going to do other things that are good. And it's a shame people don't watch their stuff just because of that <clears throat> sort of one or few performances they did. Yeah, I think Seinfeld's Seinfeld's probably like the best example of that from like the mm. '90s and stuff. And it took, I feel like it took a while for uh, Julia Lewis Dreyfus, Julia Julia Pulis Dreyfus to uh, you know come Elaine. out with shows like like Veep and everything that like really, really just ex accentuate that. You feel me? But yeah. Um. So what else should we talk about here? Well, so the, I don't the movie a little bit. The movie probably. Um. So, yeah, it pretty closely, from what we discovered, pretty closely follows the actual story of Don Quixote. And I kind of wanted to start off by saying how the whole Don Quixote thing is based on that guy who becomes Don Quixote because he's reading all of those books. Of, he's reading all the books about chivalry. Right. And this is something like I've read a ton of those stories. Like if you saw The Green Knight that came out not too long ago. I thought the movie was very bad. It was very artsy, and it'll probably win an award for being very artsy, but it was a very bad movie. Um, <laughs> like it, just, it just really didn't hit the nail on the head with kind of what the story of Sir Gawain, the Green Knight, was kind of about. And it had some really trippy scenes. It was visually pleasing, but... Uh, uh, wasn't actually a good story? It really wasn't. They made the story... I mean, they got the story kind of, and then they also sort of aggressively took their own interpretation and force fed you that, which in a story like that, it's kind of not the point. But the point of those stories, you know, like kind of the essence of Don Quixote is that those stories are just kind of fake. You know, they're they're uh, not, is it hyper uh, hyperbolic hyperbole yeah hyperbole stories that sort of accentuate the truest virtues of people and stuff like that that's kind of what don quixote is kind of taking a stab at that whole book where absolute virtue doesn't really exist uh, like would uh would a good term be like representation versus reality right? that's an excellent term that's an excellent term to throw out there but i was gonna say i like how it started in this one because in don quixote the book it's about books and Don, the man who killed Don Quixote, the movie, it's about a guy that did the same thing with movies. A movie. Yeah. Well, I mean, you, honestly, let's let's kind of start there since you use the, the Green Knight as as that example of like, I really feel like 
you know, Terry Gilliam made this his story utilizing those themes. And it's been a while since we watched Fisher King, so I probably shouldn't even use this as an example. But what I remember from Fisher King was it was really just taking that idea and him telling it in his own words. So Terry Gilliam is like the ultimate man who... um avoids plagiarism you know he he he's the ultimate guy who will take the notes cite them and put them into his own words so you can always copy off terry gilliam and you will not get kicked out of school it's it's a master it's a mastery of of him pulling the core concepts out and saying by god that's good i'm gonna do it my way and that the essence like terry gilliam doing that is utterly fantastic like if i was ever a director that is what I hope someday someone would would say about me. Like, I feel like that is is so incredible to do, because at the end of the day, when you're adapting a book, you know, that's what that's what you're supposed to do. That's that's how you make a good one. <laughs> <laughs> like, you don't just directly pull line from line from the book, you know, because it's not going to be a good movie. Those mediums don't translate very well. No, and exactly. Exactly. Him being able to do that is incredible and he should be praised more. Because he has to have it his way. And that is a plight on Hollywood, which I wish most directors wouldn't. But the <laughs> ones that are very good at it are the best directors, I think. Yeah, no, dude, I, I, I totally agree. And I just feel like this movie is a really great I- I- example of that. So, like, how do you um, how do you. All right. So is Adam Driver actually Don Quixote in the movie? I know that that's kind of the way it ends, but like, do you, do you view his character as the representation of Don Quixote or the literal character that Jonathan Price plays of Don Quixote? I feel, I find an interesting duality right there between who Adam Driver is playing and if he is actually supposed to be the character of Sancho or if Jonathan Price is a representation of Adam Driver when he's older, like do you, do you, it's a little confusing. I, I get what you're. I get what you're saying. I found that he was. I felt like he was Sancho because in the end, I think right is where he becomes Don Quixote, sort of. Yeah, and that's that's right. Like that's kind of the the, I guess the the point that gets conflicting. The sort of what is his representation there? I felt like it was had more to do with how this kind of thing doesn't stop happening. Yeah. The pe- people are always going to get pulled in um and go off their gourd by the stuff that they digest and it became such a huge part of his life just that you know the small journey that they had that it it totally absorbed his entire being. And I think that kind of thing really honestly speaks to Terry Gilliam with how he works, you know, how, how much yeah. he obsessed, especially over this movie. Like it's very, it's beyond meta with how much like he obsessed over Don Quixote, the story, which is a story about a guy that obsesses over the story of Don Quixote. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> I guess Adam driver is kind of playing that character in a way of how he was the wide eyed director who who wanted to find these people who weren't actually actors and and take the best parts of their personality and turn it into the characters that he needed for his own film which i guess could be seen as selfish in a way and i think there are a lot of well adam driver is obviously playing a super selfish character that's like one of the main points of his whole thing but but the the idea of being a, a director i guess and like utilizing actors in that way could be seen as like 
Well, let's use the actual examples from the movie for, for me to make that point. Like, uh, the, the dude's daughter, Adam Driver told her that she is a star, she is beautiful, she can go out and make a name for herself, and she left the town and, like, hasn't talked to anybody in, like, a really long time, and it turned into this terrible situation, and now you have Jonathan Price playing Don Quixote, who was just a really nice guy who lived in the town. And now he's batshit crazy, you know? So, like, yeah. it, it's it's that interesting duality of the, of the director kind of embodying the idea of that ro- romanticizing stories and not seeing that representation versus reality. Yeah, it kind of, like, in, in his sort of more modern twist of the story, it takes that angle that it takes the angle of like showing sort of what happens to actors and stuff and puts it in a much different perspective where it's sort of like we, I think as viewers sort of know that thing happens to actors, like we were saying about, you know, the cast of Seinfeld yeah. where they became so big and so well known in Seinfeld that they probably didn't had a hard time getting cast for other things because their characters just couldn't land or stick as well because of that sort of remembrance that we had for them. But here, it's it happens to the actual actors themselves. And I think honestly, with something like Seinfeld, like those actors, I think for a while, were pretty happy back because they're still getting paid, I think, you know, off of royalties. I know that Jerry Seinfeld kind of screwed them later on, but in the, in the long run, but <laughs> it's sort of like actors, I think, don't get that upset about that type of role most of the time because they're still usually profiting about it they have such an enduring community that's full-heartedly behind them like uh uh, leonard nimoy right yeah oh for sure yeah like him especially like i don't think i don't think he cared too much about you know being a massive star in anything else because the fame that he had acquired like how trying to outdo that i think would be next to impossible and so it's like those which is another kind of core concept of don quixote is people in the delusion are much more satisfied in the delusion because it's better than admitting you know a harsher reality the simulation is more fun than real life Yeah, this movie is super duper meta Dude, the the you know yeah. as as we're kind of di- dissecting it right now, <laughs> which this, we've joked a lot about. Like. Yeah, but like uh, honestly, like I, I think I think it is really meta in the way that you look at Adam Driver's character and how he's interacting with this town. And it's like it's like the magic man with all the tonics came to town, sold everyone some snake oil, and then left and hasn't thought about any of that stuff in years. What I thought was really interesting was that. It was almost as if he didn't notice. I think he didn't notice. I don't want to be quoted as wrong, but I'm pretty sure he didn't notice that he was next to the town that he filmed his student film in when they plotted for the commercial in the beginning, right? Because didn't he like, he, yeah. they they sold him the DVD and he was like, oh my God, where did you get this? And then he realized where he actually was and that's when he stole the motorbike to like go get there. I really hope that point is correct because if it's not, it destroys this entire argument, but, <laughs> but like, <laughs> it's a good one to be made, but like it's, 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 it's really interesting when you kind of don't even look at it as its own unique story in terms of what's actually happening, but just like the way that these characters interact with each other and like what that, what that means about life, I guess. I don't know. That's that's kind of like a loose way. Do you, can, do you think you can tie up what I'm trying to put down? Well, it's sort of to go back to that point. It's like, 
I don't even know if it's a matter of if he didn't even realize it's I, he didn't care. Yo. OK. Yeah. There you go. There you go. Yeah. You know, the fact that even if he did know he didn't care that much until he sort of needed that spark or that spark happened where he saw it. That's sort of what drove him back to the those early days. Yeah. Kind of like with Midnight Showing. Oh, this is so perfect. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. We, this, this has all been a farce, and we took a five-month break on purpose just so we could don't, make this point. Don't watch this movie because it, it goes too deep in your brain. No, but, like, it, it's like that it, This is probably the most – God, I hate saying meta so much because I feel like that's a, that's a thing. Yeah. But it really is, like, it's meta without being – without – like jamming meta down your throat it is a story about obsession that the director is obsessed about literally and in the movie (laughs) well dude back back to your your point that your professor made about smoking cigarettes outside you know i really feel like you could watch this movie and not have a conversation about it and like not have it get that far like i have um i i have something opened up on my computer right now and i can literally see that this movie got a 6.4 on IMDb. And again, I know I just made that joke about how we kept finding 6.4 movies that were actually 6.4s, but I don't think this movie is a 6.4. I think it deserves a much higher appraisal and appreciation when you really consider who Terry Gilliam is, the movie he was trying to make, and the actual performances and things that are happening in this movie, because you're so right. Yeah. Back to The Matrix again, I think that without doing an actual review of it, our problem with The Matrix was that it was a little bit too up its own butt about yeah. being meta. This movie, I honestly, I really didn't notice any of that stuff until you and I started discussing it, you know? Yeah, and dude, another thing, like, how that happens is, you know, in this movie, I personally, like, felt like I was rooting for... uh uh, who is it? Adam Driver and um, God, why am I blanking? Jonathan Price. Who's Don Quixote? Yeah, Jonathan Price. Yep, Jonathan Price. How their characters? I was back and forth which one I was rooting for. You know what I mean? Like I, when that kind of thing happens, it I think that really makes the movie so much better than something like The Matrix that is trying to be meta. And it's like, okay, the only person I'm really focused on is Keanu Reeves' character. Yeah. You know, like, that's that's skin deep. That's skin deep. And this movie, it's like, it really punches you in the gut with like, oh, no, he should know he needs to go back to, you know, being Sancho. No, he shouldn't be Sancho right now. Like, <laughs> like oh, this is embarrassing. Why did he, why did he do that to, to Don? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That 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 scene where they find the the girl in like the little oasis, and she she tells Don Quixote that he's an enchanter, and he has to do like the little dance and everything. It's re- it's really those moments that like make make this movie up. And I'm honestly really surprised that it like isn't isn't as acclaimed as as I thought it would be. You know? Yeah, like that's. That's kind of the disturbing thing, because I'm sure if you find another 6.4 rated movie or whatever, and it's like infinitely worse than this, it's like, how did they how did they do that? How did you get to 6.4? You know, <laughs> like, how did you put the how did you put those movies like find another movie at 6.4? Like, how did you put those movies on the same playing field as each other? Yeah, like, <laughs> I don't know. I guess th- this movie is definitely a slow burn. You know, I, I, I will say that it's it's a, it's a good two hours and 15 minutes and it's a little thick. And I feel like 
I feel like you could watch it and think that it's dragging on a little bit, but I also feel like it wraps itself up in the end in a really great way. Um, and it's, it's also keep, keeps you really interested too. Like it's so, it's so crazy that like we go from this one guy having delusions about being Don Quixote to being in this giant playhouse, trying to ride to the moon on a horse, thinking it's all real with this like vodka salesman, you know, I, I yeah. guess when you, when, when you explain it like that, it comes out to be a little loose, but again, I find this interesting duality between the performances and the characters and what's actually happening. And if the performances and characters are even that important to what Terry Gilliam is trying to say, I guess. Let's talk about the ending a bit. I want to, I want to sort of deep dive a bit into what, what you thought about. That. Um, I thought it, that, that's where he charges the windmill, right? Like that's where you're Oh yeah. That's way. okay. So, so Don, Don Quixote, Jonathan price kind of passes away. And um, Adam Driver talks about how Don Quixote was supposed to be immortal, right? And then and then Adam Driver kind of takes on the persona of Don Quixote, and we finally get that shot of, like, the evil giants, and he's fighting them, and he's yelling like Don Quixote was, and you can kind of see how Jonathan Price has been viewing the world throughout the entire movie. And then and then it, it pulls him right out of it, too, when, when he slices into the mouth of the giant, and it turns out just to be part of the windmill, right? Yeah. So, I don't know. Again, is that another example of the movie trying to distinguish that representation from reality? Dude, that's tough. That's a, that's a god damn. That's tough. Yeah, right. Because it really is sort of like that's kind of if people. We should all you know if you're gonna go watch this movie, know watch a video or read the Wikipedia on Don Quixote before you watch it because you'll you'll feel way better about it <laughs> you're gonna be like the hell's going on the whole time if you have no idea what the story's about um but yeah because it's don quixote in the book he dies not being don quixote yeah and sort of this movie, oh yeah like, yeah great point great point i forgot about that yeah he continue. he sort of continues like that's that's crazy how he sort of continues by picking up that mantle of being Don Quixote. Like it's just a curse. I think, I think that goes back to one of the first points you made where some people are always going to get pulled into that, that, that non reality of it. Yeah. Like that's, that's what I interpreted the ending as being. It's like, it's an unavoidable reality for some, like it's not, it's not something that, everyone is going to be because the girl he's with that i think he calls sancho before he does that you he know does, like yeah. she she's not really pulled into it just as he wasn't so it's like not everybody gets affected by that but those that are it, it's all consuming do you think do you think that was the coming to light moment that adam driver's character of toby needed because that character was just so far gone from who he thought he was when he was creating that movie. So I think honestly, what I would say is I think it has more to do with, he wasn't happy with who he was. Yeah. Cause that's very plain to see in the beginning of the movie, his just general frustration. He doesn't feel like he has a point of sort of enlightenment. And I don't even know if he does find his point of enlightenment because I don't think him becoming Don Quixote is a point of enlightenment. That's kind of the question I, I was asking. It's an abandonment of it. It's an abandonment of it. Ooh, explain yourself, sir. I like where this is going. Because he sort of abandons 
what he initially wanted to be, which is sort of just like a visionary director. He abandons that to just be lost in the story of Don Quixote rather than trying to figure out sort of the best way to tell the story. To believe in that chivalry and to to believe that that there's something else out there for for who it is. But the actual story of Don Quixote is a very sad ending where the guy kind of just realizes everything was bullshit. And you're you're totally right that Adam Driver does because I because I feel like it, Jonathan Price uh, like actual Don Quixote could have died and that would have been the moment to snap him out of it. But that's not where the movie ends. There's still an entire scene of him fighting the giants. Yeah, mm. no, you're, no, you're so, right. So maybe maybe Terry Gilliam is saying that this this is this is one of those serpents eating its own tail. You know, there there isn't a clear ending to this type of story. And there's always going to be things like that. More directors like him, more stories like Don Quixote. And is that a good thing? I, I, I guess I'll, I'll ask you that. What What's your opinion on the actual like representation of people taking things too literally and allowing it to affect their lives in that way? I don't. I don't think it's a good thing. I don't. don't? Okay. I, I think, well, I'm going to say I, in the way the movie portrays it, I don't think it's a good thing because all of their happiness is derived from the illusion. And time and time again, we see the illusion broken and those people are broken down even more. And so it's like, it's the inevitable reality of you know, being lost in that kind of thought in the being lost in the story rather than sort of what actually is going on in your life, you know, which is the, I mean, that's the point of Don Quixote. The book is, you know, those stories of chivalry. It's like, they're, they're hyperbole. So they're not actually how people behave. They're not realistic. They're the greatest example of an absolute truth and nothing is that absolute. So, like, it's the more you live in that delusion, the harder the fall is going to be. That's a really good point, dude. And I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna get a little little hardcore on you. I I kind of <laughs> I kind of had this thought when I was younger that like, well, I I had the thought when I was older, but thinking about myself when I was younger, you know, you used to watch like like TV shows and sitcoms and cartoons and everything, and there was always a way to wrap it up at the end. There was always somebody saying something to make something else happen, and real life really isn't like that. And I almost feel like you know, when you're in high school, it can feel like the days are going to go on forever, and you feel like life is always going to be like this. And I feel like sometimes stories, whether it be television or movies or books or anything like that, can kind of dilute your your brain when you're a little younger because you you don't necessarily understand the scope of life yet you know you you think it could always be like this and then something changes in that way so I, I think that this movie is like really interesting and I honestly wouldn't mind giving it a, a, another watch now that we've had this conversation and I can kind of really view it through the lens of like not what's actually happening on the screen but what it really means to embody a story and think about your life as a story because again that representation is not reality that's not the way things really work in the world and you can spend the rest of your life living in a shack with a movie playing thinking that you're Don Quixote when in reality maybe you should I don't know call your dad or something <laughs> <laughs> I mean, as funny as that was, I mean, that's that really is kind of the point because throughout the whole movie, you know, when they get out of trouble, it's like not really because they get out of trouble in the illusion, but then the illusion is what is what puts them back into trouble. Yeah, it doesn't yeah. Off, it doesn't offer any solution. It's like flat earthers. Like, have you seen that 
Go watch that Netflix documentary about flat earthers. It's hilarious. They do this experiment where it's like, hey, we're going to have, you know, two two planks of wood, okay, um, with two holes in it. We're going to shine a light straight. We're going to keep it straight. If the earth is round, if we move it out, you know, however far away we have to, it won't it won't appear on the second board because the hole will have moved because of the angle of the earth because it's round, right? They do that experiment, and of course, it it doesn't work because the earth is round, and they're like, huh, well, I guess there's something wrong with the test. Right. So, yeah. Like, see, it's like they don't even realize that you just applied hard science that you said yourself which is like you applied reality to it and you're so lost in the delusion that you can't even accept like your own findings, like what you're actually doing, the literal truth surrounding your life. Like, that's dangerous. This is a good segue into our actual review of don't look up starring Leonardo DiCaprio. <laughs> <laughs> no, for real though, man, that's, that's, that, that's a really great point, And I think, I think this movie is is very applicable to everyone's lives in the way that we view storytelling and we view heroes and we view chivalry, as <laughs> as Jonathan Price puts it. You know what I mean? Like I, I really, I, I I'm 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 honestly disappointed that on this screen I'm looking at Rolling Stone gave it a three point five out of five or IMDb gave it a six point four out of ten because. I think the execution of it is so unique in that Terry Gilliam way and the themes and ideas behind it really just bring Don Quixote into the modern world. And um, I know that you watched a few videos and I did too on the story of Don Quixote and a big point that they made in that video was how this can be considered one of the first great stories ever written. I'm pretty sure that was one of the points they made that like almost every story can be seen as representation versus reality. Look at you all educated. It's a good ass fucking review, dude. Five months and we're like nothing, dude. We're, <laughs> hey, we're hitting home runs. Haven't been to the batting cage in weeks. <laughs> dude, that's just what annoys me because I feel like if you make a movie with great production, great casting, great, um, you know, uh, costumes, great dialogue, that's like baseline, I feel like, should be at least a six out of ten, right? Yeah, right. Yeah. You've done everything right in the movie. Now, the movie itself, the actual story you're telling is what bumps you up even higher. Yeah. And I feel like this movie's got so much more than that. So much more than point four. <laughs> like, it's no, like, for real. I'm not going to say don't, it's don't. the greatest movie I've ever watched. But it's up there. Like, it's on the list. It's an incredible movie. Yeah. No, it it really is. And I mean... We haven't watched a bad Terry Gilliam film yet, and I have a feeling that there isn't going to be one out there. So, like, ep- episode 80, if if episode 80, 80 ends up being a bad Terry Gilliam film, we might have to end the podcast entirely. Again, yeah, for the second we'll time. <laughs> do another hiatus. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, I mean, how do we, how do we, let's, I guess let's, let's, let's do what we kind of normally used to do. Um, the genre yeah. of it. Um, it's like dra- drama, I guess, at like the the core of it, but it also is very funny and very meta. So, that's, I mean, yeah, I guess drama. Drama's the kind. Drama's the catch-all yeah. escape we use. <laughs> I would say an adventure movie too. You know, it it definitely has a lot of adventuresque themes. Yeah. Would you watch this with your friends? Um, 
not all this... my friends. My friends who are really into filmmaking, yeah. for sure. But get it, getting drunk on a Friday night, I would probably put on Deadpool over Don Quixote, you know? I feel like this is a movie... I think this is one of the rare times where I'm going to say, I feel like I this movie is better watching with your family than with your friends. Not because it's like family oriented or whatever, but I feel like your family is more likely to sit down and watch it. <laughs> like, you know, like, no, I, I, I totally agree. This is a thousand thousand percent a movie to watch on like Christmas. Cause you guys yeah, have nothing to it, do. It, it, it demands focus. I think for appreciation. Yeah, for sure. De- definitely demands focus for appreciation. Is it a cult classic? Uh, I'd say I'm, it could be. I'm going to say, say right be. now, because of how new it is, well, yeah, it's only, what, four years old? I'm going to yeah, say right now it's in the position to be, because it's a hard movie to find. In fact, we tried to watch the documentary for this movie, Um what was it called? I Dream of Giants. Um, I Dream of Giants, and the, it's the original name of this movie was like Lost in La Mancha or something, or maybe that was the name of the documentary. the The documentary is called Lost in in La Mancha from two thousand three. They tried to do then, another one. They did another one on this one though, right? I think yeah, because they did a documentary on the original one being made, and then I think I Dream of Giants was they did a documentary on this one being. He dreams. He dreams he, of giants. He yes. dreams of giants. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. We could not find that movie anywhere. Yeah. And I think that's another one of the reasons that uh, we never made this episode was yeah. because we we were like, yo, we should watch both those documentaries. We had planned yeah. no, no, we had yeah, we had planned to watch them, and it's like we finding them was so hard, and I don't want to spend like eighty dollars finding it. Yeah. Now, if, if you're a love, if you're a lovely listener and you want to send it to us. <laughs> yeah. Well, d- yeah, dude, this movie has literally been made twice. First time failed. And they have two documentaries about the making of this movie. So it is not a lot of movies are like that. Honestly, you know, like there there has to be something there. Even even if everything that we just talked about for the last uh, 50 minutes was like bullshit, like there still has to be something there for there to be two documentaries about both times. They made this movie by one of the greatest directors of all time. Yeah, that's just what it is. So is it a cold classic? I think it could be. I like I, I hate to say this. But it's like because Terry Gilliam's old and it's like if this is the last movie he made, you know, um, I think it would be almost yeah. overnight a cult classic because um, people like to be fake and especially on Instagram when someone dies, pretend like they like their work. Yeah. I'm so I'm sorry. I didn't listen to David Bowie that much. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, okay, well, you- <laughs> I'm not going to make a post about it. I mean, he's a great guy and everything. And I love I honestly liked his acting career, but I, I'm sorry. Okay, I'm not going to pretend that he changed my life. <laughs> just like appreciate the people you appreciate. Don't don't be fake. That's just rude. I mean, b- yeah, Betty White was great, but you really have to tweet out that you were you're shocked and surprised she died because she's, she's 99. <laughs> right. I mean, I, I right. love Betty White. I love Betty White as much as the next person, but are you, were you really shocked and surprised? I, I didn't watch the Golden Girls. I'm sorry I didn't make a post. um it's the cinephiles movie it is it is the cinephiles movie absolutely because this is like this is a director that has to do it his way and is one of the few directors i think that should be doing it his way exclusively and it's very rewarding to watch that no i i totally agree dude i think this movie is um 
worth everyone's time. But again, I would totally understand if someone did not like it. But I think there's a lot of stuff within it that should be talked about and discussed in a greater light for storytelling in general, man. And I think, I think, you know, this ended up being a very meta review of Midnight Showing. But honestly, this is the kind of movie that we set out to review that really makes you think and appreciate storytelling through the medium of film. I think this is the kind of thing that, you know, teachers need to show in English class. Dead ass, dude. Honestly. Honestly. Because um, I just think it makes you appreciate stories better. Um, but I think with that being said, um, I was going to say, you know, uh, like we always do, please be sure to like and subscribe to our channel. Follow us on Instagram to stay in the loop for upcoming episodes. Help us determine the movies we watch. Future content that we can bring to you. Be sure to check us out at ambiguouspodcastsolutions.com. Um, there's no more blue light. I mean, donate to us. That'd be cool. Um, <laughs> yeah, the light, the light went out. I went out to get light bulbs. Um, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're yeah, hard to find. That, that's blue. where you were the whole time. Um, I was in the chat. Now, um, as far as the next episode, we go, we've got a lot in the bank that we want to do. We're probably going to do a few more sort of more popular films. Um, just to get people in the mix, you know, so hopefully they discover them. But, you know, we're not trying to do the most popular things ever. Like, we like to reminisce about movies. We'll do some specials and stuff doing the most popular stuff. But, like, right now, the core of the show is, like, if you like this conversation, if you've got a movie that you think fits the bill, send it our way. Send it our way. Tell us why you think it deserves, you know, to be talked about and people should see this movie. And we'll probably let you on the show. Wouldn't that be fun? Yeah, that'd be fun. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, but, you know, just be sure to reach out to us with any, you know, questions or if you want to, you know, be on it or got something to suggest. We love to hear that kind of stuff. We try to do suggestions as often as we can. Um, But, yeah, I think that's going to be a wrap from us. Be sure to check us out next week. Terry Gilliam, I'm a huge fan of your work, man. I wish I had a quote from the movie, but I forgot. (laughs) 